It's time for another episode of Bangers and Trash, your podcast for all things fantasy football. Right, welcome back to the Bangers and Trash podcast. Uh, it's been a while. We've uh, had a bit of hiatus, but we're back and we're back face to face. Tony, how are you doing? I'm doing all right. Thank you, Matthew. Yeah, it's great to be back. Um, and yeah, I get to see your lovely face instead of doing it over over the screen, which is always a bonus. Exactly. So hopefully no technical hiccups today, because <laughs> obviously yeah, Wi-Fi connection has let us down in the past. But yeah, we're here. We've yeah. got coffee. We got least, and if, if the Wi-Fi goes down, at least we know who it is this time as well. Yeah, it's, exactly. Yeah, the blame is, uh, <laughs> is on me. Um, yeah, we've got coffee. We've got five rules uh, stuff that you've learned over the years. We should mention that... Um, you came in pretty successful last year yeah. on a couple of leagues. Tell us about it. Got lucky. Uh, yeah, so I, I think out of the seven, I ended up winning three, which is pretty good uh, ratio, really. So quite chuffed by that. Got lucky in a couple. Um, but yeah, you know, I, uh, these these lessons that I'm, we'll talk about today are pretty much over the, the, the full. I've been playing fantasy for about 12 years now. So um, try to pick up some of the things you've got. And you're always learning year to year. So uh, yeah. Yeah. Hopefully there's some information in there for either new starters or experienced players because uh, everything changes year to year. Nice, perfect. Yeah, like you said, you've uh, you've built this up over time. It's obviously come to uh, fruition over the years as well with plenty of wins. So um, yeah, let's get straight into it. So I've got a I've got your notes up here. So yeah. flex spot selections, targeting better offenses uh, and greater time of possession. This is a real interesting one for me to hear more about. So yeah, yeah. What are your thoughts on this? Well, yeah. First, I guess we talk about these lessons. We'll be looking at either flex spots considerations or uh, the draft strategy, maybe because obviously they're the two things that you can change and have a lot of control over during the year. You're gonna start your studs, so we won't talk about all that kind of good stuff. Yeah. But the flex spots and the draft strategy, we'll, we'll dig into. So, yeah, the first one that I talked about um, was was targeting the kind of better offences and also looking at the kind of greater time of possession, actually, more than the offences. So who's going to have the ball the most? Because obviously you need to have the ball to score fantasy points. So, yeah, this kind of focus here. If you're in, in between two players, obviously, you would rather go for someone who is on a better offense therefore moves the chains therefore stays on the field to score fancy points and I think in the article I'll talk about you know some of the weaker offenses maybe the Jets and Jaguars who are likely to go three and out compared to maybe the Packers or, or the Bills and all of a sudden you're looking at those you know Marquez, Valdez, Scantling, all his options against someone like maybe Corey Davis if he was fit at the Jets or someone like that who's in your last flex spot and actually um, there's more upside if you're on the field. Uh, obviously it links to the quarterbacks a little bit. Um, who do you think is going to stay on the field longer? That's 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 where you know my kind of thoughts were on that one. Um, and again, you know, this is not the, this one especially actually, not the do all, uh, you know, or, or the all or end all. Because actually, some of those other players in those offenses are proven. Um, so I wouldn't want to be saying, you know, take this to the extreme. But if you're 50 50 about the player, then this could be a good decider or tiebreaker. Yeah, nice. I like that because I think, you know, if you're a seasoned veteran or if you're a rookie just starting out in fancy football, you, you 
you're going to have those headaches where you're choosing between players. Yeah. It's good to have a couple of data points, and you talk about a few more um, through this podcast now. But it's good to have those reference points to give yourself a little bit of a, uh, an opportunity to choose the right player as opposed to just playing that guessing game and, yeah. uh, and really struggling. Yeah. So your next point was around draft strategy. You mentioned that these are going to be mixed between mm-hmm. um, the flex and the draft strategy. And you're talking about a leg up on the onesie positions. And we know that um, you know certain positions lack depth. Um, so yeah, talk us through, uh, through this one. Yeah, so this is one that's evolved, I think, over time. Because I was always of the opinion of getting your QB in tight end later in drafts. Because the other positions are more important. Um, and there's so many... QBs and tight ends to take that one spot. So you, you could hit on one of those eight in a draft and therefore you would use the draft capital earlier on for better players at the wide receiver and running back positions. However, um, and I think this is due to our leagues getting better, stronger players. Um, if everyone takes that strategy, then that's probably, there's an opportunity there to grab a one-up in those positions at a discounted rate. So I kind of, Realize that early on, and let's take our league for example. You know, the, the people are getting better every year mm-hmm. in that league. So, um, and and you know, th- th- this is a popular strategy to wait on those two positions. So, what I did recently, what I've done recently, is kind of switched that up a little bit and actually gone for the best player, or you know, who I think will be the, become the best player in those positions. And if that means it's taking them a bit earlier in draft, then that's fine. Um, because then you're playing with an advantage at those positions. So I fancy myself in the other positions to kind of make good flex decisions, as we've talked about on this draft, um, on this podcast. And all of a sudden, the pool for wide receiver and running backs a little bit longer, uh, larger. So, yeah, I have had massive success. Not massive success, that's wrong, because obviously you can choose the wrong quarterback or wrong tight end. Yeah, <laughs> um, Darren Waller this year. Darren Waller, uh, oh, yeah. he killed us. Even Kittle, really. Yeah. Um, you know, and the quarterbacks. The quarterbacks are probably safer. So the big quarterbacks, Josh Allen, Mahomes. You know, Lamar Jackson this year was was taken quite highly and, and probably was a bust, if I'm honest. So there is still a bit of risk here, but the the longer they drop in a draft in a more experienced league, I'm more likely to jump on that and try and get one of those game changers out of position. Nice. Um, so you're looking at rushing QBs, obviously, for that QB spot. Um, I think I talked about Jalen Hurts this year. And Absolutely. Again, that's not me even jumping ahead in a draft to get Jalen Hurts. It's literally just pick it, picking a running quarterback late who I think's got star potential all year. Hurts was 50-50, if I'm honest. There was a lot of talk about him potentially weeks four or five mm-hmm. getting benched. Yeah. Um, so I got lucky with that one, and obviously at uh, 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 tight end I went Kelsey, so that was my main, you know. And if you can grab two, I'm 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 looking to grab one definitely, um, and two like that in that instance there, it's a bit of a bonus to land both of them, and I think then you're playing with an advantage pretty much every week. Yeah, absolutely, and I think yeah, a lot of people. I mean, you know, Jalen Hurts last season was marmite. A lot of people were calling for him to be, to be out. There's probably a point within that as well to say that. You know, Jalen Hurts, what he was doing on the field, didn't certainly didn't match what he was doing in, in terms of fancy points. Um, yeah, good point. And uh, you know, that's an, that's another th- a thing to factor, I guess. But like you're saying, you've seen the ceiling, yeah. the opportunity with the rushing, um, 
and you've gone for that other player's uh, fancy would have would look beyond Jalen Hurts because of his maybe lack of ability. Um, we've got to remember you're playing for for fancy points. Yeah. Um, and you mentioned trading. Um, so if you miss them, you're looking at trades. A question: Would you? So you've missed out on some of those um, mm. some of those positions that uh, are not as uh, haven't got the depth. Would you then? You know, potentially lose a trade to try and get one of those players before the season kicks off. Um, probably not lose a trade or pay up. So. Yeah, I would. I, I wouldn't mind paying up for that position. You probably won't have to though, because trading for tight end and, and quarterback is easier than a running back or wide receiver. So you know, there is a trade option there if you miss one and you're not very happy with your quarterback. Some people are quite happy to throw in quarterbacks. And tight ends, especially if they got two of each hmm. in a in a draft. Say you end up with uh, two tight ends and maybe even three quarterbacks. Some fancy players for some reason want to roster three. You could pick one of those and, and kind of target them. And you probably wouldn't have to pay that much for them. So again, I'm thrown in into a again a Russian QB thrown into a um, trade sounds like you know a great strategy if you miss out. Um, but again, it's not a reach in the draft. It's, it's if they fall. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I'm just thinking about the tight ends next year. Who you know, Mark Andrews might be someone that has jumped up a few years. So. Yeah, so you know he'll be in the Cal CT next year. Um, Waller probably still be there, and Waller might become a nice value if he stays with Car. So you know, there, there's options to get an elite tight end. Um, and I probably would lean elite tight end over over QB if I'm. Okay, nice. On to the next one then. So again, mm. we're talking about draft strategy. We're talking about hero RB all the way. Yeah, uh, everyone's heard zero RB. Um, <sighs> talk us through this then. Drafting the, the stud RB early. Yeah. So uh, historically, I think I'm the same as everyone else. Really, you know, robust RB was the way forward. You get two or three in the first three picks, and then because the wide receiver falls so big later on. You can focus on that position afterwards. Um, I have gone a full circle here. So I went zero. I started off with robust RB. Then I went all the way to zero RB. And I think for me, the hero RB or anchor RB, elite RB, there's so many things on, online <laughs> to call it. But just get one stud um, early and then, and then smash the other positions. And then there's enough backup RBs at the end of your draft or middle to kind of fill in that second spot. And this is only if you've got two running backs is your starting positions. Mm -hmm. If you've got more than that, then um, probably not the right thing to do. So it is format dependent. Um, but I would I would look at, and it minimizes your risk of injury. So if you've got three, if you take three RBs early, you could have ended up this year with um, Saquon Barkley, Derek Henry, not Henry obviously in the first round, Barkley in the second, and then uh, Josh Jacobs maybe in your third, and Henry's obviously gone out halfway through the season, and Barkley missed half of it as mm -hmm. well. So you, you know, C-Mac is in there as well. You can talk about him. The other thing, obviously, to think about is there are the, the, the RPs that come on later in the season, and it's always the second half of the season are relatively unknown, so they're always on the wire, mm -hmm. looking at Boston Scott, Rashad Penny. And Elijah Mitchell that I talk about in this in this article. Um, so you know, if you pair that up with one of your 
hero RB. Maybe that's an Aaron Jones. Or maybe it's a Jonathan Taylor. Mm-hmm. Then, you know, you're in a really good spot because you would have picked up the likes of Kelsey or Tyreek Hill or whatever. Yeah. Delande Adams, obviously cut any of those kind of players early on when when some others were taking, you know, Saquon and C-Mac. Yeah. So I, I kind of, I, it's a nice balance between obviously two extremes, um, and which is why I think this is the right strategy. More people will jump on this though this year. There'll be a lot of talk about this year, this strategy in the off season for sure. Um, so I'll be looking at the next one <laughs> because otherwise everyone will be doing the same thing. Yeah. Uh, so we'll have, we'll, we'll have that. But this is obviously a lesson that I've learned, you know, in the last couple of years. Um, but yeah, you've got to be quick to adjust, otherwise everyone's going to be doing the same thing. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think um, from being in the same league, I saw your, your change history, um, your transactions throughout the season, mm. where you're taking off the wire um, towards the end. Yeah, Rashad Penny, Boston Scott, you weren't afraid to drop players to bring those guys in. I guess a key point on this as well is keeping that agility with your bench, making yeah. sure that you are willing to, to drop players and bring players in who you think, especially these sort of um, these high ceiling RBs you're talking about towards the end of the season, just not, I guess, getting too in your own head about um, being willing to let players go to bring yeah. players in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So flex, flexibility on your bench is crucial because you need players to drop to pick these off the wire up, you know, and actually drop the... the, the you know, the decision to drop a player is not as easy as, as you think because usually that's a player like Alan Robinson. You know, I bring him up quite a lot, but actually he was someone who was drafted in the third round and it probably took people until week eight or nine to mm-hmm. release him. In yeah. which case, you probably would have missed, you know, you definitely would have missed Elijah Mitchell if if, if Alan Robinson, you didn't want to let him go. So you, I think you can move on quite quickly Um from players or you can hang on obviously too long <laughs> you just gotta this is there is an element of luck in there you know Amara Ra St. Brown didn't perform for the last first six or seven weeks some people have thrown him on the wire he's ended up winning someone a league um, Robinson didn't perform for the first six or seven weeks scared to drop him because just mm-hmm. in case he turns out and he ends up staying on your roster you don't end up with Elijah Mitchell because of it so it, it, it's, it's very hit and miss um and you've just got to kind of stay with the trends as much as you can through the season. You do that by making the most transactions. You are going to drop someone who's going to blow up. Yeah. You need to forget about that and focus on the ones you pick up. So I would always say more transactions are the better, even if you're throwing away a decent piece. Okay, nice. That's a good one for the uh, for any of the rookies listening. Um, Next one's back to flex spots. So we're focusing on scoring points and not your opponent's team. Sounds a simple and obvious one, but we both know it isn't. I've sat there and uh, looked at my opposition and each matchup and gone through it and uh, imagined all the scenarios uh, instead of focusing on just uh, the players who are going to score me points. Yeah. So, yeah, um, focus on your own team. Talk to us about this. Yeah, and this is when you get into the weeks, you know, week 60 no you know you need to win and get in you start overthinking things I mean I could have called this anything you know, overthinking it making taking too long to make a decision but usually your gut instinct is correct um, especially if you're playing fancy for four or five years you don't need to overthink things 
So, you know, when you've got that matchup and you look at it and you're behind on the projected points, yeah, that's fine. You know, you know you need upside, great. But actually, sometimes, you know, their projection is based around someone having quite a lot of upside. So, you know, you, unless you really dig in and say, right, what, who has he got? Who are his safe or his safe players? And who are their players that are going to blow up? And, you, you know, until you do that kind of analysis on it, then, which which I don't recommend at all, um, and that's what this article talks about. It talks about staying with your own team. You know, you're in the you're in the hunt at that stage for a reason because you've been scoring enough fancy points. Um, just just you know, look at your average of the team, and you'll know if you need upside or not. So th- this also talks about um, the fact that their QB, you know, matching up your flex spots decisions on the fact that their QB might be thrown to one of your receivers or their QB might put points up against your defense. So uh, it sounds ridiculous, but people do this. Um, mm-hmm. and, I, and I, you know, I talked about uh, um, an experience where I did this with, uh, I think it was Darnell Mooney and, and Foreman that I left on the bench yeah. um, for Gabriel Davis. Um, you know, and forget about talent or whatever. But I made the decision because he had Josh Allen on his team and I thought, well, okay, if, Allen ends up throwing four touchdowns, which he did to Gabriel Davis, but that was a playoff, obviously, <laughs> mm-hmm. against the Chiefs. Not fantasy playoff. But you know, if he ended up doing that kind of performance to Gabriel Davis, then I would have been quids in, obviously, um, taking points off him, essentially, or his advantage would be shortened because he had the quarterback and I had the wide receiver. But actually what happened in that game, you know, Diggs, Beasley, Knox all got a couple, t- oh, one touchdown each. Allen ended up running in a couple and actually that backfired so you know there are two two ways that could go and i think if you just forget about that if i did in this instance play mooney or foreman who both had a great final week um and they were sitting on my bench and i ended up sweating it out got lucky but you know the, the decision was was one of those two foreman looked great down the stretch and, and mooney was the number one for dalton in the end who came in and we all knew how that was going to go um happened in targets so yeah, um, just try and forget about someone else's team. You're in the hunt for a reason. Look at your average score. Not Try not to look at how your top score or your bottom score, but look at your average score and see what you need from that perspective. Yeah, absolutely. Don't get too cute, guys, yeah. with these uh, with these selections. And then the final, uh, the final one, although there are some bonus lessons. Mm-hmm. Um, bonus, yeah. Another flex spot selection over under predicting game flow. This is one you've talked about a yeah. lot. Um, one I've got a lot of interest in um, your approach to this and uh, your approach to checking Vegas. Yeah, uh, you probably got a lot of interest because it it rolls on back betting as well. So you can make you can make some money, obviously, if you look at the Vegas odds. Exactly. But yeah, your, your fantasy team um, will follow, or it should follow. Um, the betting odds quite closely and what I mean by that is obviously one team will be playing from behind um, and one team will be playing from ahead and usually Vegas is correct um, more times than it's not everyone knows the, the rules in the casino mm-hmm. um, house wins and all that stuff so um, basically this is looking at the strength of the QBs and just looking at how Vegas comes up with their odds so if you look at how long it takes sometimes for Vegas to put their odds up that's usually because the QB is injured like Aaron Rodgers with his COVID toe or COVID. Yeah, COVID. 
I remember during that stretch, you know, they, I was looking at the odds and, and Green Bay Packers uh, over-unders weren't coming up because, you know, that, playing him or playing J- Jordan Love would have a massive effect on the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually on your fantasy team, because obviously you want players playing with Aaron Rodgers, like Aaron Jones, Devon Adams. I don't know how um, comfortable you would have been putting them in with Jordan Love, but that, that's, that's more of a QB rather than a game flow. Game flow is linked to it. So, you know, the tendencies of the other teams in neutral game script and the pace of play is probably the biggest thing here. So you, you want to play players who either play on a team that are fast or playing against a team that's fast, like the Cardinals or the Vikings, who play really, really, really fast. Um, stay in the game the most. I, I don't think I talk about blowouts on this. Uh, no. But that is something that's linked in here. I probably missed that when I was writing it. But you don't want any fancy play in any blowout game. Um, and that, that probably sounds counterintuitive because obviously the Patriots are by 34 points to zero, then they're going to run the ball and you want the running back. But actually, what happens there is obviously, you know, uh, time disappears mm-hmm. <laughs> um, because they're 34 up. So you're only, you're only going to run. Your pass catching of the running back disappears because they're not going to check it down. There's a run, so you're already limited in that PPR league straight away. And you're, they're likely to either rest players or share the load. So I don't talk about um, blowouts at all, but it is kind of linked to pace of play. Again, you're slowing the play down if you're up by lots. If it's a close game and there's a lot of throwing, you want to target those. And I picked the Cardinals and Vikings in my head because I just remember watching both those teams thinking they snap at the ball with like 12 or 13 seconds on the clock every time. Cardinals turn it over quite a lot in terms of they either score or um, they go for it on fourth down, which is another thing to look at. So the opposition has got the ball again. I think they played each other and it was great fantasy. Um, so yeah, you, you want to look at that. That's probably, I can talk quite a while on that, obviously. <laughs> I think we need a podcast. Yeah, probably, yeah. Absolutely. And yeah. I forgot the blowout uh, in this in these bullet points, but, you know, there's loads of things in there. The, the weather, the fact, you know, determines the over-unders of games. Um, defensive injuries is something that I've been looking at more and more, especially as, um, you know, play more and more years. Although defence is probably the thing that got me into the NFL originally back in 2000. 1999 with Ray Lewis and all that, but the defensive injuries is something now that I'm looking at, and there's some really good articles on Twitter that talk about who's covering who um, and who's going to miss the game. Yeah. Again, they swing the over-unders um, and obviously the wide receivers um, matchups. So yeah, again, this is not something for the draft strategy, but this is more for flex spots. Um, if you're 50-50 on, on uh, two, two players, then Go with a higher end, a higher over under, and it's quite easy to check on the Vegas odds. Yeah, I love this point. I you, I picked this point up off you midway through last season, and it, it helped massively. I think what I really like about this point in particular is you're talking about just these little extra things that can give you an edge on decision making. That set outside, you know, where someone who's playing just playing average, uh, you know, playing fancy football. Maybe not thinking about these different aspects that can affect the game, um, mm. but yeah, everything the the, the weather. I, I don't pay enough attention to uh, defensive matchups a lot of the time. I, d- I don't fully appreciate, you know, some of the injuries that might impact the game. It's certainly, looking at the over-unders, 
and you know like you said there's plenty of opportunity to get this information go onto twitter follow you know the likes of inside injuries and the rest of them get those notifications on they're going to ping you and it, it makes a massive difference i've seen debates on twitter where people say oh you know i missed out on a player on the wire because i wasn't paying attention or i didn't notice an injury it's that extra little bit of edge that you can get from just you know taking a look at something else outside of just watching the games and just looking at your teams um but this Definitely. is a, this is a really great point and and then yeah understanding the game like you said you're watching the clock you're watching the teams play you're getting an understanding for who's going to um give you the most opportunity to score points right and that's what we're yeah we're trying to do in fantasy so yeah really good stuff this so that's all the five points like i said there's some bonus ones so another five i mean it was always going to be this case with you <sighs> You were never going to limit it down to five. Um, yeah, I like did try. Said, you learnt loads yeah. uh, across the years. Some of these might be strange. I mean, all of them. Some, you know, there's this debate for all this. So, you know, this is these are my lessons. I should have said that at the start. You know, this is not this is not the Bible <laughs> by any means. So, if you've learned other lessons, um, feel free to kind of have a chat about it. I'm quite open to to other people's opinions on some of these. But I, I've, I've mentioned five kind of bonus ones at the end. Um, and these are probably things I have learned over multiple years. Um, and some of them might be obvious, but pass catching RBs um, have more upside. That sounds obvious, but you know, if, if any of um, if there are any new players at the moment coming into the uh, into fancy, um, I, I have said on this article, but it, it doesn't really matter about the format because obviously, pass pass catch. So an RB who catches a pass has probably got less defenders to beat in the open space because it's usually out wide or on a swing or on a screen pass or whatever. Um, so anyone at RB who catches passes has got more upside rather than someone who's just going to run out the middle all the time. Mm -hmm. um, I said stacking works. So we hear a lot of stacking in best ball and it is the best option in best ball, but it can work for redraft. Um, just don't... Don't... Um, kind of reach in the draft to stack. That's the only thing I would say. Um, I don't mind reaching on RBs, uh, sorry, wide receivers and tight ends that way, but never reach for a quarterback to stack would be my um, kind of bonus advice there. Nice. Uh, but yeah, I mean, yeah, stacking works. So if the wide receiver or tight end scores, then it's likely obviously the quarterback would score and vice versa. So um, a bit of a double up, but obviously that can work the other way. Yeah, absolutely. Again, pick the, pick the games that you like, high over-unders and stack on them. It's not a bad show. Um, save some fab for the final push. I mean, it's incre <laughs> incredible how many teams are there. Run out. It sounds ridiculous, but... Oh, I, um, I live this life. I mean, if you've got $200 or $100, just divide it by how many weeks that you want to play for starters, and that, that should be your base on how much you should be bidding. Obviously, that's not the case, though, when there's a stud on the wire or someone like Elijah Mitchell who determines you know how much uh, you should be bidding for that certain week then obviously bid appropriately but I would definitely leave some for the stretch yeah um, yeah and then the next one uh, I talk about is streaming defenses no matter what so it's very uh, very easy to just say right this is my defense and I'm using them whatever happens especially when they're strong but um, it's all about the matchups of defense. Um, and don't get caught up with being a bit stubborn with the defense. 
just don't be scared to drop them. And also there's something in there about dropping them and make, make, letting people think there's a good defence on the wire, pick them up and think, oh, the Kansas City Chiefs yeah. <laughs> uh, next week. You know, But obviously that's an extreme example. But I'm talking generally there, always always stream defence, um, no matter what's, what's going on. Yeah, it goes back to that, you know, being agile and yeah, not um, I, you know, when we've talked about this in the past, we friend of the show, Marcello Chevy, he knows he, he likes to stack a couple of defenses and get four at one point. Um, so I think the flip side of this as well is not overthinking that streaming and making sure that um, you know, you don't have to stash a load of defenses uh, on your bench, but you just need to make sure you're picking up the right one for the week or. You can double up if you're looking a couple of weeks ahead, but don't get too crazy on the overthinking with uh, with your streaming, um, yeah. because then it doesn't open up the opportunity to go and pick up other positions like we talked about previously with these RBs. If you've got a load of defenses and you're waiting on them to, to hit in a couple of weeks' time, um, but yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, I, I drafted a defense. I think I drafted the Ravens, and uh, I yeah. needed to switch to. To, to stream in at some point um, and I guess the other point around this as well something I've been learning today is making sure that you're constantly if you mo- if you're modeling your your matchups if you if you're looking at um, oppositions and you start to think about okay who should I be playing against certain teams make sure you're constantly reevaluating that throughout the season because everything changes yeah and what you're looking at at the start of the season saying okay these are the defenses uh, these are the offenses I want to target with my defense or vice versa um, things change. You, we point. talked about the um, Tampa Bay defense in the in the past, and how they switched in terms of how you could throw on them versus how you could run on them. Yeah. Um, so yeah, make sure you're being where, where you're streaming. Um, certainly, make sure you're being um, true to yourself on on the teams you want to be playing against because things change throughout the season. Um, teams start to drop off when they're not in contention anymore, etc. Um, so keep an eye on that. I'll let you go on to your last point. No, that's good. Good points in there, especially the Tampa Bay one. Actually, that makes me remind me of, of the trends. You know, I look at trends actually in four, or six, or eight week blocks rather than a whole season. Maybe four weeks is a good way to do it. But um, just because a team starts off strong and needs to pass and weak needs to run all the other round, doesn't mean that after four weeks when they get injuries back, lots of people on the pup list, for example, right? Mm-hmm. Week six things change so you've got to look at the trends because what you think a team is good at may not mm. be the case down the stretch absolutely um by a win yeah so my last point is more of a trick rather than a um or trick to, i love this yeah so <laughs> i mean more again more and more people are doing it but i did this uh, a few years ago um when i don't think many people were, had a clue what i was doing and it did pay off. It can backfire, obviously, as everything can. We've talked about. But if a player's got a bye week, then you've got a schedule against. Um, you know, you, you look at your schedule. Who are you playing in week nine, ten, and you think you're going to be an underdog for that week because some of your players are on bye. Then don't be afraid to lose a trade, sending a player to that opponent. I know it sounds ridiculous, but you know you can offer. There's no harm in offering a player who's on a bye for that coming week week nine and taking a stud off that player, off that opponent, I should say. Um, I'll give an example here because it's hard to explain a little bit. Um, so a couple of years ago, I had Joe Rickson um, in his prime <laughs> and I ended up trading uh, one for one for David Montgomery because Joe Rickson had a week nine or week 10 buy 
um, and the team that I played against. I think David Montgomery had a really easy matchup, and it was about two or three weeks before this. So obviously, I was giving up Mixon in, in some some spots where I wasn't that happy about, but I knew that that, that trade could swing that matchup. And obviously, Montgomery went mental that week and scored loads of fancy points when Mixon had a bye. So um, he thought he won the trade, probably did season long. But a win's a win, you know, and you need, it doesn't matter where you get it in week 10 or week 13, 14, they all count the same for your total to get in the playoffs. So just get as many wins as you can. And if you have to do it that way, um, it's, not, it's not against the rules because, again, you know, it's a fair trade. Um, and even sometimes you lose the trade. So no one's going to be worrying about vetoing it or asking you to take it back. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, I love this sneaky. Um, I'm going to be keeping an eye on those trade <laughs> requests going through yeah, online. That's probably ruined my chances. <laughs> but no, it's true. And I think it, that you know, trading's an important one. We've had this conversation in the past, probably during trade negotiations <laughs> in our league, where you're trying to you know turn my head a little bit. But it you can get caught up, and I've been caught up. I'm thinking way ahead, and I'm nowhere near contention at that point, and the right thing for me to do at that time, you know, this is one way of trading and, and, and this is a very crafty, you know, 4D chess way of trading, but also just just straight up trading and trying to trying to take a player that's going to help you win that week and pile up those wins like you're saying. Um, it is important because I think, like I said, I've, I've thought way too far ahead, start to get cute, start to try and get neat, start to... Pick, pick up players and trade for players who are going to do well in the playoffs and I'll never make the playoffs so I'm sitting there thinking well i got a great team that would have done well but I haven't made it because I haven't thought about yeah. the short term I haven't thought about those four week blocks like you're saying with trends and thinking about thinking about those upcoming games as well so yeah. Um, but yeah I mean this is great and I think one of the, the biggest things from all of this as an overarching piece is that you're learning lessons as you go you know you've noted these down and you've said you know they're unique to you and these are the things you've learned over the years and most recently uh, in 2021 season. But it's key, and this is something that a lot of people, you know, it seems obvious, but a lot of people will miss, is making sure you are learning from those things. Yeah. If you've, you know, one of the biggest things for me in the past is I've been too hesitant to take a trade and then I've regretted it immediately. Or I haven't been quick enough to pivot away from a player like an Alan Robinson and picked up someone I, you know, I think is going to have a good scene and I've missed out on them. They've ended up on someone else's roster and they've done really well. Um, or, you know, I've got two in my head um, when making those split decisions in the yeah. in the, uh, in the flex spots. And I've not just gone and looked at the logical, okay, who are the teams I need to be targeting um, and all the rest of it or getting caught out on uh, looking at my opposition's players. So I think... That is, is, is one of the key overarching things of all of this is, you know, you would have learned your own lessons in 2021. They yeah. might not match these, or you would have learned your own lessons over the years. Or if you're new to the game and this is your first season, you're going to learn lessons pretty quickly. You're going to learn lessons in the draft and then um, in the first couple of games of the season. It's just making sure that you're reacting to those and moving on and not getting too caught up, um, which is a key thing. But yeah, I mean, this is... Uh, this was awesome. If people want to tell you about the, your their own lessons um, and talk to you about these ones, where can they reach you? They can find me on ff underscore lights out seven on Twitter. Awesome, and also via the bangs and trash page as well. Yeah, I'm on bangs uh, and trash pod. 
will end up sticking his article on there eventually. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, I mean that's uh, that's mm. a point. We're going to start doing more articles. We're going to definitely keep doing more of these podcasts. Um, there's a lot to talk about in the off season, as we know. Uh, when you think about dynasty and you think about um, looking forward to next season, I mean it's going to come yeah. thick and fast. Um, so we'll yeah, talking basketball over the off season. Yeah, let's talk basketball. Sure. Yeah, um, it's quickly becoming my favorite. Just because of the league size ceremony so you've got. To yeah, manage. and you're only in 99 leagues. Yeah, uh, 99, that's so, a league yeah. one. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's, uh, it is getting uh, hard to manage them all, let's say that. Yeah, well, um, yeah, we'll have to uh, talk more about this, make it a full time job, right? But yeah, yeah thank yeah. you very much for joining me. Um, no problem. And yeah, reach out to, uh, to Tony and let me know what you think of these lessons and, and also the lessons you've learned. Yes, please. Thanks for joining us, guys. Bye. Cheers. Bye.